Welcome to the Fitness Business University podcast. This is Tom Langton. I have a very special guest today. Um, my guest is Mr. Joe Hennessy. Joe actually is in, this is not on a phone call. Joe is in the room with me. So Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me in, Tom. For, uh, for those of you who don't know Joe, Joe is the owner of Synergy. Is it Synergy? It used to be Synergy Athletics. Is it still? Yeah, we don't say athletics anymore because we deal mostly with adults. So what do you call it now? It's still Synergy. Just yeah. Synergy is yeah. one word. Yeah. Like a fancy, like the Madonna. Like, Madonna. like the Madonna yeah. of fitness. Sure. But you started as, well, let, let's get it. So let's, let's dive right in. Let's tell your story. So you started with Synergy Athletics. But, but even before that, how did you get into the fitness industry? What was your road in? So I was a washed up college athlete. Uh, got hurt a lot when I was playing college sports and I wanted to learn part of the reasons why things were, were happening the way they were happening, hurting my knees and things like that, a bunch of scopes and some lateral releases from college football. And a lot of it was preventable because I, I wasn't prepping right. So I wanted to learn more about it. Uh, so as soon as I got out of school, I got into coaching. I was teaching high school at the time and uh, opened the, the garage gym. So you started in, in your garage. Yes. And you were, so, so let's, let's get into that. Cause this is, I think that a lot of people listening maybe have another job or they're looking to open a gym. So you were a high school teacher. Yep. How long did you teach high school for? What did you, you taught what, accounting? Eight years, economics and U.S. history. Economics, that's right, okay. I coached football, basketball, baseball, homeschooled, any kind of work I could get as a young guy trying to save up money. Um, but when we first started, it was kind of interesting. So we started as an athlete development place in the garage, and it might have been 500 square feet, if that. And as we were getting ready to open, my father ends up passing. And he was very unhealthy. He was probably 350 pounds. He was on disability for his last year. He had congenitive heart failure. He never took care of himself. Pack-a-day smoker, ate spam, and drank two liters of Pepsi. And seeing all that, even though I was more into the athletics, that started already transitioning me towards wanting to help people live a longer and healthier life and working towards adults. So and then so you were teaching high school. Yeah. So talk about the transition. When when did how long ago? So you've been in you said you've been you've had the gym for eight years? So we're a decade now. A decade. Now how long have you been full time or you kind of stepped away from teaching? Well, three and a half years. So what was that transition like? So I was teaching in high school from 7.50, uh, 7 until 2.50, and we were, I ran the gym from 3 until 7. So I had 10 minutes to get out of school, drive across town, and open the doors to be open by 3, and I run 3 to 7. We were doing that for probably five years, and uh, we had a trainer that helped us out in the morning, and it, it was just about the summertime, and I was tying up a rope swing in the backyard for my kids up in this tree, and I fell out of the tree, and I shattered my right leg. Landed right on my feet, right leg just gives out. It's like a 15-foot fall and go on bed rest. And actually, while I was on bed rest, the company grew about 25% because I could actually focus on it and I didn't have to teach all day. So it was one of those blessings in disguise and it led right up to the summer. So when I was recovered, June, July, August, I was really able to focus on the company and decided not to go back to teach that fall. And from, would, uh, do, do you regret that at all? Because here's the thing, teaching is a, a you, you were probably close to 10, were you a tenure teacher? Tenure teacher, almost two 10 years, which is when you're vested in retirement. So uh, you still get a portion of the retirement money out if I went two more years, but very conservative. Everything was strategic. When I was teaching, we were basically taking the entire teaching salary and saving it and living off just the income for practice for like three years. So we had all that money put away. Uh, my wife is fortunate enough to be able to stay home with our three kids and we just, we live off the business. And talk about, so you guys are in, I don't think we mentioned it, you're in Binghamton, New York. Yep. Um, you now have state. What's that? Upstate. Upstate New York. Not New York, right? New York City. Like way yeah. up there. A, a diff, that's a different, different <laughs> kind of New York up there. But 
you see, you start a 500 square foot garage. Yes. Now you have three facilities. Yep. You have over 800 members. Yep. You have 11 employees. Yep. So the business has grown exponentially the last couple of years. Business has done amazing. Uh, our staff is awesome. They really serve the members really well. So we're going we're, we're to get into the business side, but the, the one thing I think we want to dive into, you've become kind of like the go-to guy in our mastermind for, we call them joint ventures, <laughs> yep. but you, you have a different, you call it community relations. Yeah. When we're hiring people, we want to speak the language that they understand. Sometimes when people hear joint ventures, they think like companies merging, you know, it gets too complicated for them. So when we're posting job listings, we look for community relations, community specialists, people tend to get that more. And one of our core values is meet people where they're at. And even though we're looking for joint ventures, other companies that serve our target demographic to, to do pro projects with, we want to make sure that we're speaking to the employees and getting the right ones by saying the right things. And you have somebody in your business that is your community relations so director. our first non-trainer hire was a full like six years into running the business. And we hired her as a community manager. She had done community relations for local minor league sports teams and a company called Achieve in our area and she was into fitness and was very good at being active in the community. She was in the PTA and all that. She was a really great fit. So she's our first non-trainer staff member. And so talk about how you built, because would you say a lot of your growth has been because of this community relations, kind of like your, the outreach that you guys do? In the last two years, we were fortunate to hit that Facebook ad wave about three or four years ago. When you could post a whole pile of crap and just people would sign up and throw money at you. Right. And that doesn't exist anymore. So we have to keep um, playing our flag as something that's number one, more permanent. And number two, something that fits our values more and doing good in the community. So what, is that system, what does the system look like? What is your community relations like? How, do you, how did you build it and, and what does it look like now? So the community relations manager, she focused on external community, internal community, which is our staff, and then our internal community, which are our members. So she has three focus, three main focuses. For outreach, it's a lot of uh, basically asking people how we can help them, asking companies, what do you guys do for corporate wellness? They're like, yeah, we're really interested in it. We're not sure what to do. We get these online programs that like, give our employees yoga to do at their desk and stuff that they're not that into. And we say, cool, you know, can we help you out with that? We sit down and have a conversation with them. Um, we'll make a lot of it based on their feedback. We really go in with, with three offers. We'll come in and do a basic lunch and learn, which is just giving them education, which is real low level. Uh, we'll do um, a, a jump start. If they're employing our ideal clients, we'll give them a 30-day jump start, which is usually a 199 value. We'll give it to them. And if they have tons of employees, we'll um, survey them and then give it to them. So we'll say, you know, we'll give this to 50 people, and they, they fill out this whole survey. We gather all that info, and we're able to reach back out to them. And the third option is whatever their uh, – if they're in the mindset, again, we have to meet people where they're at. If they're in the mindset of – you know, reimbursements or, or insurance stuff, then we just, we, we solve their problem with whatever. That, we only have one of those, but um, we try to avoid those. We yeah. try to go for the second option, but uh, those do come up. Now, what is, because you, you work with a lot of guys in the group and other business owners, mm -hmm. what are the main issues that, that you see? Because I think a lot of times when people think like joint ventures, community relations, whatever you want to call it, people are going out and they're making a lot of mistakes and they're like, no one wants to come train with us. And like, So what are the main mistakes that you see people making in this kind of thing? Tom, that's an excellent question. Thanks. It's like you've been doing this a little <laughs> while. So the mistake I see is when they approach a possible community partner with an offer in mind and try to sell them on something. It's not a, a real sales process and they're trying to sell memberships to that person. They're problem solving together. Maybe it's that company not paying anything but getting you in the door to their, to their employees and staff, which is actually better for you 
than having one person control the first string. So, you, so, I mean, yeah, so you're doing a lot of stuff for free in the beginning. So you're yes. going in just saying like, we just want to help you. Yes. Not trying to Absolutely. sell, not trying to sell them anything, not saying here's our best package, anything like that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. There's companies don't have the kind of money for it. They want to have it. So what we'll do is we'll give them a 30 day jumpstart to introduce us to their staff. They get to frame it as they're giving away this big value. So they're like heroes to their staff. And then we deliver a great experience and we sign up, sign them up at the end. And it's worked extremely well, even a higher conversion rate sometimes than when people actually pay for the jumpstart. I don't know if you, you probably read the book influence. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think when people, when you do a favor for someone, they want to reciprocate it. A lot of reciprocity. So if you do someone a fa favor, they're no longer comparing, like, was this worth $1.99? They're thankful that it's free and they enjoy the experience. They're more likely to sign up at the end of 30 days. And it's really our ad cost on getting a client off Facebook or doing it that way. It's going to be a little bit cheaper doing that way, even though you're giving a service. And you're also getting your staff a lot of practice and you're doing a lot of good in the community. What kind of businesses, what kind of organizations? Because I think people think, I think there's a, some people are thinking joint venture, it has to be a PTO or it has to be like, how small can the business be? Can it be corporations? I will try to list off ones I have. Yeah, it's certainly Lockheed Martin, which is a big defense contractor, a hospital group, a car dealership that does a lot in the community, uh, a gymnastics studio that wanted to send their parents over was one of our best one. Local travel hockey was one. Um, Insurance broker in the area, small 12-person employee, tech company that does um, servers and networking, a company in our area that makes cash registers, another company that sells like the discount coupon books like Save Around, I don't know what you guys yeah, have yeah. right here. Uh, they all have been really good to us. So it's like a broad range of different size businesses across the board, like there's not one particular thing that you're looking for? Right. Yeah, the best way to start is to find someone that you already have a relationship with and start the conversation. Out of all your members, there's going to be one that... Oh, so you're pulling them out of your... You're finding oh, yeah, all, all your start. members work for these companies. Start in-house. We sent out a very direct response email. And I don't remember the text right off the top of my head, but it's something like, we're looking to help more companies with their with their wellness programs. Do you know anyone that would be interested? And that's like the whole email. We'll get 40, 50 responses, and then we'll have them introduce them. If that's not the person that's responding directly, we'll have them introduce us to the right, right person. That's awesome, man. So we got to go back a little bit. We, you said before you have over 800 members. Yes. You have 11 employees. Talk a little bit about we just, how... Two of them were hired just last week. Okay. So. Right. But so, so you know, you know, the big issues that always come up that we, that we talk about. The first one is how do you maintain a culture? So like your, your culture has to have has shifted from when you guys were, you know, a smaller place, when you were doing a lot of the training. Mm -hmm. Now you have 800 people. Like, do you even know all of your members? I, I do not. Right. So it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to know 800 people. So how do you maintain a culture? How do you, like, from a retention standpoint, how do you manage that many people? Because I think a lot of people listen to this like, how the hell is that possible? It's a lot. We really have, it's going to sound weird because we don't have a large staff. Basically, every location has two trainers, a head trainer and an assistant trainer. And the biggest thing that I can recommend to maintaining it is putting someone in charge of it. So someone is responsible for the energy and the vibes and that in that facility and you have to educate that person and hold them responsible versus like walking like, oh, something's not right. Like we feel in our gut as people who have done it for a while, but to put someone else in charge of it, you need to let them get their feet underneath them and maintain a consistent culture. So now, now what type of, from a training standpoint, is that a lot of the trainers listening to this are like, how the hell, because you have a unique system. Yeah, it's going to get weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. probably going to answer both it's, 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 hard, it's, it's hard to explain this over a podcast, but just, yes. just do your best. 
So we do flexible scheduling because our core values meet people where they're at. People have, our, our population will likely have kids that do travel sports, likely have kids in activities, likely can't say I'm gonna show up at 4 p.m. every day, four days a week for a membership. So they need some flexible scheduling. So what we do is we're open from three until seven uh, at each location, six to 10 a.m., three to seven, and people enroll for a.m. or p.m. So we'll get our list of people that are coming between three and seven, it might be 60 people. And we have their, their body part orders set and it's up for the trainer to choose the best exercise for the person. The person can, can put their 60 minutes anytime within those hours. They come at 6.15, 6.37 in the morning. They come at 6 p.m., 5.32. They do not start as a group. They come in as an individual. We guide them as an individual. They give them a personal training feel. And the systems are the, the, systems are the same at every location. Oh, yeah. So then when you guys do staff meetings, when, from, from your... Your job as the owner, the overall yep. leader of the business. Are you meeting with everyone together? Or are you doing individual meetings within each each location? So we have a director of training, fairly new position. He does the 90-day evaluations with people. We rate people on our core values and get it one at capacity to do it. So they get rated plus or minus on our five values, get it one at capacity to do it. They have that conversation every 90 days. And if they're deficient in one of the, those areas, because we have a standard bar they need to achieve, they get... Um, some suggestions for improvement and they do it in 30 days, they meet back up. If everything's on fire, we do it again in 90 days. So the trainer director does the, the training staff and then I do him, the community manager, and the two people we hired last week will also be um, under my jurisdiction. And during their first 90 days of on-the-job training, I do that too. And they're all full-time trainers, part-time? Do you use both? We use both, the majority are full-time. And how do you find the people? I think that's a huge, you know, people problems, finding the right, number one is dealing with the people when they're in the business. Yeah. But even before that, it's how do you get ahead of it and not find, you know, a lot of this industry, there's some weirdos out there that are in the fitness <laughs> oh industry, right? So, well said. And I've screwed this up just recently. So, last January, I mean, we're, we're almost a year removed. We run kind of a bare bones staff. We have a higher level staff, but less of them. And two of them, three of them left. One moved to Denver, one moved to Syracuse, and one moved to Vermont. And so we were a half, you know, half the staff. So we had to hire some people quick, and we ended up hiring some people that weren't a great fit for the culture. So we made that error. We were able to work through it, and now we always hire one extra person. Uh, we find them on Indeed. And the biggest difference between the staff members that have worked out and the ones that haven't are the ones that have worked out have a four-year degree in exercise science. I didn't believe that at the beginning. I thought, you come in, you can teach someone the system, you can teach someone how to train, they can get their training certificate. And while that's true, we've had staff members that have done that. We've had a, two successful ones out of maybe a dozen. Uh, all the ones that we've had to, to filter out have done it as like, uh, you know what, I kind of want to get into this. And they didn't really invest a lot into themselves coming into it. So that's the one thing I'd caution you, make sure they have invested in themselves. They're not just trying to switch careers and jump in while it can't work out. It didn't for us in a lot of situations. And, and, the, and the, the, with the rapid growth that you've had in your business, yes. right? So you've, I mean, that's, that's a crazy, I keep thinking 800 people, right? From a standpoint of like, how do you how do you keep in contact? Like, what are the systems? I think that's where, you know, a gym, especially smaller gym owners, they want to grow, but the fear of like, people aren't gonna like it, or it's gonna yeah. be different, or like, so do you, have you, and you've shifted your model, right? So you went from a small group model to now this flexible scheduling. Now was that was that was that a shift for like you, have you had members the entire time that have stayed with you? Yes. So and we've had members for eight or nine years, almost since 
actually we had someone just restart young man he's a teacher he's one of our first athletes when he was like 11 now he's a, a local high school teacher so how have you kept those people happy and kept them in the system because i think that's the thing is like you say I, I know i need to change in order to grow but if i change people are gonna get pissed off they're gonna leave so how do you balance that biggest biggest thing you can do is have a private members way of communicating ours is a private members facebook group i think if you don't have it you're missing out on a huge value it's what connects our three locations it connects everyone whether they see one trainer more than the other, they get consistency in that members group. Every staff member has one weekly contribution, whether it's a recipe. They choose. We give them a day, whether it's a recipe, um, a stretch, or whatever they're comfortable with because members need to see everyone's face in case they show up at that gym to fill in. And we're very active in that members group. We give people shout-outs for their attendance during the month. Every trainer does one member shout-out for 10 hours worked. So... We say, hey, give members a shout out. Well, you got to quantify and put them in charge. If you work, if you work 23 hours, you have to do two member shout outs this week. You know, hey, Betsy, you did a great job. Uh, I know when you first came in, you struggled on push ups. Now you're doing amazing. That goes in the members group. All that goes in there at times, it's all the hours worked across three facilities. It's a very active members group. So that's the biggest thing. Uh, email is good for individual contact. You write to people by saying, like, you and not you guys. You're not talking to a huge group. But make people feel like an individual. You make them feel like an individual in their session. But the, the private members page has been the biggest thing for us. We have probably 1,100 people in there because we don't really remove them. Um, so we have a lot of people very active. We use it for reactivation. We use it for community events. It's, it's really, really huge. How do you personally manage your time? Because three facilities, big staff, all these members. You have how many kids do you have? Three that... Three. Three. <laughs> I'm not going to make that, that I know of joke. That's no, classless, yeah, yeah. Tom. But, it's no, classless. I hear you. I hear you. That's <laughs> right. Different things. I'm not asking. Uh, how, do you, how do you, so what, what are some tips for managing your time personally? Because you, you seem to have a, that's a lot, that's a lot to manage. So identify the best time of day where you are performing at your highest. Mine's the morning from six until about eight or nine. Are, or are, are you, I'm sorry. I mean, are, are you still training? Do you still do it? spend an hour on the floor? So just recently, last year, I stopped doing as much. I got into it because I love training, and I'm not telling people to stop training. I had to give up a lot of it. I do Monday morning, 6 to 10. I do Saturday morning, 8 until 10, because we'll probably have in those two hours, 60, 70, sometimes 80 people. So it's a huge session. Okay. Um, so I can, I can cross off uh, the most if I go in that session. So I train for uh, six hours a week. Okay, that's so I just want I just want to be sure because so and you've trained and that's been a transition over time. You slowly chipped away yeah. at that. A year ago, I was probably when we when those people left in January, it's probably training 30, gotcha. 30, 36 hours a week somewhere in there. Um, Sorry, so get back to what you were saying. So you you call about that that piece of your day. Where yeah, you, got, you put it on your schedule. There's a certain amount of time in the day where you're gonna be most productive. Mine's about six until depends on how the kids are. But right at six, I'm gonna start my most productive, hardest task, whether it's. Um, writing a new marketing campaign, writing the emails, things that I necessarily won't do if it gets too hectic. So carve out that time. And I also found some serious value in putting my workouts on the schedule. So as trainers, as gym owners, it's important that we work out. I haven't always taken care of myself through all the, through all the growth. So I have four days a week, one hour blocks that go on the schedule. And when something comes up, like a contractor that's building our new location, calls us and asks you know, for an 8.30 meeting, I, I can't do it. I have that time booked already. So you have to protect some things that are valuable to you uh, and protect the time where you're most productive. That's awesome, man. 
So if you could give one tip or one thing that you could change to everybody, I mean, you, you kind of know the crowd that listens to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you have something in mind of like that gem, that big piece of advice from Joe Hashi? What, what, what do you got? What comes to mind? <clears throat> so there's a lot. Being, doing good in your community has been amazing for a business. I think the toughest part as an entrepreneur, and Vince talks about it and you talk about it, is the, the head trash. Like driving down from Binghamton to here for our meeting tomorrow, you know, everything started doing, going great. You get one bad email, you're like, oh, everything sucks. Like, it's such a roller coaster. And being able to control and realize, like, nothing really happened during the three-hour drive. It's just, it's just you, you got to regulate the ups and downs because it can rock your confidence and it can throw you off for a month or two. And a month or two of growth will set you back a year or two in the long run. That's awesome. If, if people want to get a hold of you, if people want to find out more about you or about Synergy, what's the, what's the best place to get a hold of you? You can't call Tom. <laughs> no, I actually don't. I don't do the internet stuff anymore. I used to do all the YouTube videos. Used to do all the writing, the training manuals. Uh, we have our gym website, our Facebook pages, which are just our Synergy Vestal, Synergy End Well. But if you do have a question, you're listening to it, because and you want to get an answer, you can send me an email at joe at synergyfitnessteam.com. I'd be happy to help you out. I think people want to. I, I got to get up there still and see how the hell you train that many people. I'm so interested. It's awesome. It's like it's it's, it's so it's unique. It, it's it's organized unique. chaos, and it, it is it is unique, and uh, it's taken some years to come down with a good system. Now that we have the system down, it is, I can't imagine doing it any other way. It's awesome. Mr. Ashley, man, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Good luck, everyone. Thanks, guys.